Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom, and I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the... Soon to be tipsy. Soon to be tipsy, Kristen Pennington. <laughs> She's over here doing corner shots of wine. I'd, oh, I was at work all day. I came home. Kristen was hammered in the I bath. Was not. No, she wasn't. Probably will be soon, though, because I forgot to eat lunch. Forgot to eat lunch and then chugged half a glass of wine. <laughs> Make room for new wine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cheers to that. You got your dragon's breath today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what we're celebrating today, guys? Oh, my God. I almost forgot. Could it be, Kristen? Have we finally got halfway there to 100? <laughs> we are the big 50 today. The we'll be motherfucking 52, I think, when you guys are listening to this one. But we are halfway to a century old. God damn right. So this is number 50 or this is number 52? 50 went live today, so this is 52, I Oh, believe. well, I thought this was number 50. Oh. I, I was like, fuck yeah, let's do this. Okay, well, <laughs> fuck yeah, we already hit that goal. <laughs> <laughs> Should have celebrated that one a week ago. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I meant to keep up with that. Because um, I told you I wanted to do like a special episode for like when we hit bigger milestones. Me too, but when you told me, I thought we were recording no. number 50. That's no. why I sang the song. I did the whole dance. <laughs> Sorry. Did the helicopter dick, scared <laughs> the cat with it. I have sexually molested an animal for absolutely no reason now. Welcome to episode 52. I hope you're <laughs> twice as fucking proud as you were a second ago. I'll try to keep track of 100. You can molest the mic on 100. <laughs> no, I molested the cat for the 50th. So the, the microphone. Gonna get it, bitch. <laughs> Brett, gonna give it to you. Brett, gonna give it to you. <laughs> It's been a fucking week, team. It has been a... A couple of weeks. Yeah, but this past week, like, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had, like, breakdown week where you just go numb, because that was me the other day. Kristen got to see that side of me where I was, she was like, are you mad? And I'm like, I can't feel anything. I'm just so beaten. Um, we had a couple of issues with auto pays hitting my account the second that we needed the rent money and then wound up having to pawn some stuff and moving some money out of some investment funds. Um, and then, uh, getting an angry landlord email and my brain was just like, I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, which is almost more frustrating because, uh. We were like, in two weeks, we'll have all kinds of money because yeah. we'll both finally get paid real paychecks. <laughs> we're going to be fine. The second that we're pulling in our normal like income, we're not bad with money. We just came out here with no money because uh, I don't plan a goddamn thing. We're bad at planning big life changes. Exactly. Uh, so the inevitable happens, you know, nearly a month into the decision and uh, the, the money got super tight. <laughs> And uh, I couldn't write. Um, I was I was feeling really beaten up about everything that was going on, but we're better now. Came out the other side. Came out the other side. Like that Stephen King quote. Or those quesadillas. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why would you? Because I got so close to a mush. I was like, here oh, we go, let's tell gross. our fucking positive-ass story, but preface it with the last Diarrhea. yeah, the last <laughs> episode that you listened to. You might have heard the tension in my voice. It sounded like tears. I thought I lost 
no, our last one was Two Star Tuesday, and it went really it well. Went really I screamed well. at the mic a lot, though. Yeah, no, maybe you, I was tense. That, that, that <laughs> film deserved it. Yeah, you were. <laughs> yeah, you're so like mad. we weren't amped up, and then you listened to like the whole yeah. last half where we got into the bads about Actually, Chernobyl Diaries. Yeah. We talked about it after the show. I was like, I looked down and I saw we had 30 minutes down, which meant we still had like 45 minutes left to go. And oh. I thought the conversation was slowly dying. And then we hit this point in the episode where we dive, yeah, we dive into the bad of the Chernobyl Diaries and Kristen lost her shit for like a solid 40 minutes. So yeah, you could say that we were a little wound up about the situation. Oh, how I've missed you Two Star Tuesday. It, it, Tricky bitch you. It's cathartic, isn't it? Like recording it. Why, yeah, watching it's a little cathartic because you're like, oh fuck, how can I not get a job in this industry? And then... <laughs> And then you get to talk uh, about it. You're like, this fucker made how much money? No. $30 million. Yeah, that one did so well, too, for how bad it was rated. No, I haven't missed two star. That yeah. was fun. We, we we will be back on the regular with those. Yeah, no shit. We might watch one tonight. We're, we're getting hammered because it's Saturday. I work. It's your only day off tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be hung over because <laughs> next weekend's tied up with stuff, too. I'm just going to be, like, dried out on the bathroom floor. <laughs> Come like you, a Guns N' Roses poster. You have that extra big water bottle now, though, so you can be extra hydrated. I for feel your extra hydrated today. <laughs> <laughs> Had an apple. Read about the Unabomber. There you go. He comes up again later in this conversation. He's probably going to come up a lot. And I'm not going to tell you guys, I've been using a lot of stamps.com. <laughs> that would be a great advertising position. Oh my God. You side with the Unabomber. Call me. Yeah. Ted. Call me stamps.com. Ted, call me. No. No. <laughs> no, Ted. Don't you can call mail me. things directly from your house now. No, don't, 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 no. Satire. <sighs> Satire. Dear FBI, I don't have any. Int- I'm reading his manifesto, but that was just a joke. All right. So, first on out for the day before Brad gets us both arrested. Um. <laughs> I feel like we should say that every day at 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Start the day off with yeah. prefacing before Brett gets us before arrested. We, before we walk out of the door, let's say whatever we have to say before Brett gets us both arrested. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go to Walmart. Brett, here, let's oh. say everything. I love you. Do you love me? Okay, cool. That way we know if we both get arrested. I'm telling people I don't know you. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that at all. That's worse than being a snitch. <laughs> Go down with me, body of Clyde style. You're just going to fucking leave me out. Leave me out hanging. So, that's how you create no, snitches. I'll blame the whole thing on you. I don't even know how to use stamps.com. I would <laughs> I love you. I love you more. <laughs> yeah, dummy. So Kristen's got the show notes today, and I can't keep mm-hmm. hijacking these past the 10-minute line. So I literally only have two show notes. Okay, so, well, uh... then I'll keep going on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but ideally, they're going to expand. What other mainstream advertisement <laughs> uh... platforms can one use to commit random acts of uh... terrorism? Okay, 
So, back to my show notes. Um, Uber? You could just send like 50 Uber cars to like somebody you don't like's house and be like, honk the horn, I'll be right out. And then there'd be like a line of 50 well, Uber cars all honking the horn. Well, rape. But I'm not murder. talking about... Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking about either one of those. I'm talking about harassing your neighbor. Get a different not Uber there, car every five minutes. There, just honk outside. There are people who have... Uh, Pretended to be an Uber that weren't really an Uber. That yeah, it happened in Nashville. They yeah. straight up kidnapped. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's really sad. So, don't do that. Don't be that person. Yeah, I don't send mail bombs either. I don't know why you have to make it so. Uh, did the wine hit you already? You thought no. I was over here trying no. to start some sort of guerrilla terror campaign? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I feel like I've made this this the statement before but uh yeah we can't do episodes where i'm supposed to be in charge and brett has no notes yeah, to guide I, him because I go off brett goes off the rails and i i don't know how to be in charge <laughs> okay well be in charge <laughs> so because don't don't salute me <laughs> don't stop i believe in you captain at ease okay <laughs> um so because it yeah it's been a, a hell of a week or two actually there's been a lot of stress um i am now on my second job <laughs> i haven't even been here for a month yet <laughs> i got here september 9th she like walked in today is went halfway october through the training 5th. program was like and fuck that oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah that's been fun um it, it, positive change, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it wasn't a negative thing. It was a very positive thing. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we moved across the country, not on a whim, but uh, with not sufficient planning, As for sure. close to a whim as one could get, knowing six months in yeah. advance that it was going to go no. down. <laughs> no, but the first time we ever had this conversation, granted, we hadn't pinned it to Missoula. I think Mom. everybody thought I was fucking around until three weeks before we moved, and then everybody was like, oh shit, he's actually going to try to pull this off. No, I'm going to make this worse, though. The first time we ever had this conversation, we hadn't pinned it to Missoula, Montana, but you and I had just started dating, so at the beginning, it is... October today's date is October fifth, twenty nineteen. Let mm. me let me clarify that. At the beginning of two thousand eighteen, <laughs> when Brett and I first started dating, um, he told me he was planning on going to Washington. So we still knew this general area. Yeah, I um, wanted to move to to Wenatchee. Yeah, <laughs> super bad, so I could be close to Norris, my Air Force buddy. I love you, but you were too transient in the state of Washington, and I needed a spot on the map. So Missoula, it was. <laughs> well, <laughs> you you also thought you were going to be able to leave sooner, but then they tacked on some extra classes or something, right? That yeah. you had to take, so you ended up having to do a whole extra semester from what you thought. But so that's uh, how bad I am at planning shit. By the way, <laughs> I didn't. Graduated I thought I was gonna graduate a whole semester, a, a whole like two semesters before I graduated because I was taking summer classes. So <laughs> like, oh, Brett, you got to do some more Spanish. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. I was like, you guys are really gonna let me leave without taking any of these like hyper courses? And they're like, oh no, you've got another semester left, and that one's gonna try to kill you. And sure as shit, I had like fucking I can't remember how many books, but I used to know the exact number, but it was just like a six foot stack <laughs> of shit that they made me read. And then every day was like, hey, we've got another seventy two page paper you have to write. And my brain broke, but that's what college is there for. Happened to Ted Kaczynski. Uh, oh, we'll get back to that later, though. 
But yeah, so the beginning of 2018, <laughs> the seed was planted. Uh, the beginning of 2019, it was definitely Missoula, Montana. Yeah. Uh, August of 2019, we still didn't have a location no. inside of the city planned. No. <laughs> so, um, and uh, which is weird because on top of uh, having a whole extra semester, we had a whole extra month. I thought the lease was going to end a whole extra month beforehand oh. and I was just going to load up the Jeep and we were going to drive out of here in our own vehicles. And we still stress packed a U-Haul in one day. Yeah. Or a pencil. It's because you're the procrastination princess <laughs> and I suffer from bipolar disorder. <laughs> so I just kind of, you know. So the As the manifesto states, there are three types of goals. <laughs> I live my whole life, Kristen. Watch this hand movement. You ready? One, two, three. On the second kind of goal. Oh, Go you. fuck yourself, system. <laughs> I made the middle finger for those just listening to the recording. <laughs> One day we may add video. An audience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love you, guy in India. Well, that is the one thing that I'm sad about. Since we switched to the new provider, I will probably uh, move our... um, To um, India? No. What? No. We just got to Missoula. It would have been cheaper to leave from Tennessee. Why are you doing this to me? I started to call it a subscription, but I don't know if that's the right word. I will probably adjust our plan, though, so that I can get more specific... Um, audience metrics but for right now if you're a new listener i can't shout you out because our current plan doesn't show me where you're coming from so sorry about that still love you though send us uh an instagram <clears throat> picture yeah. of uh where you're at like take a cool picture and send it to us on instagram at at nightmare box productions <laughs> seamless plug <laughs> uh, but yeah so uh we knew we were moving but we didn't really plan yeah anything at all and then i i have now had two jobs we didn't know how many boxes to buy we didn't we had to go back we didn't know what size of boxes to buy (laughs) i carried several small boxes upstairs (laughs) so so the point of this um we had no idea what the fuck we were doing (laughs) (laughs) the point of this uh making fun of ourselves though is that you should be Fluid in your life. Exactly. Be like water. Because <laughs> if you're too rigid when stressful situations come along, you're going to yeah. buckle under the pressure. I do what possums do mentally. You play dead? Yeah, play dead. <laughs> oh, no, that's so just go completely numb and I just stare forward and I'm like, well, this can only hurt for as long as it hurts right now. <laughs> oh. I'm joking. I, I, I listened to a lot of Alan Watts. I cried. Uh, I, I dive into work. I um, play dead. <laughs> no, that was, like in all seriousness, that was the thing you were like talking to me about. Because you were like, "What's the point in um, stressing over something you literally have no control over in that moment?" Yeah. It's like you can either learn to be flexible in the moment and kind of go with the flow or you can sit there and stress over something you can't change either yeah. way that comes a lot out of like that hindu buddhist 
uh, blend of what I don't know what I believe anymore. I don't know what it's <laughs> called, but breadism. Yeah, the 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 breadism. The uh, Brett smoked a lot of weed on a mountain listening to Alan Watts once, and it changed my entire fucking life. <laughs> But no, the, the only thing you have to worry about is the immediate moment. The only thing that you should be thinking about is the immediate moment. Anything outside of that is a distraction. Um, and have fun. Lean into who you are, as they say on the YouTube videos. And I... Like Duncan I, Trussell. <laughs> Google that shit. It is really... It makes you feel better in the moment, yeah. for sure. And it gives you a lot to think about. But I, like, that's a thing that I struggle with because I'm a, like, you and I are both anxious people, but we're anxious in different ways. Like, I feel like when anxious things happen to you, that almost kind of fuels you. I get very uncomfortable when I'm sedentary. When things are going wrong, I feel okay, uh, which may or may not be a product of my childhood or post-traumatic stress disorder from oh. the militaries. <laughs> but it's a good reaction to have under pressure. It's what made me a good cop and security guy. Um, it makes me good at uh, getting a creative writing plus writing in college <laughs> and being fine with that life decision. Um, but no, I, I only feel okay if shit's like not cool like when you try to love me i like re recoil into myself but that's, like that's when true. people He's not are, exaggerating people are shooting at me i'm like hey guys let's do this shit over here i told you last night that i thought you were brilliant or something like that and you go no you don't and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> like, no you don't like put on toby keith <laughs> i need to feel dumb <laughs> but like i i have a hard time with that because i feel like i have a personality type where I like to have like they don't have to be like I'm not so OCD that it's like step by step I gotta have every plan laid out but yeah. like you know when you're writing a paper and they tell you to do the outline or whatever I hate doing outlines for papers so that's a terrible I failed a lot of <laughs> English classes <laughs> write me a five point essay oh five page uh, opinion oh I got you <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible example because weirdly I hate doing outlines for papers but in life I like having like a general outline of like what's the plan for this event that we're doing or whatever and um, when shit goes wrong I I feel a little overwhelmed a lot of the time so that is a thing that I've been um, trying to work on being better at but it is I feel like very helpful especially in your craft yeah um, to be able to kind of move with things, even if things aren't working out. And um, <clears throat> my favorite to date example <laughs> of personal experience anyway, uh, when we were shooting the dolls, we were scheduled to do, um, we shot all of the house stuff, obviously in a house. And then- um, Shout out to Alicia and Caleb. Yes, thank you, you guys were lifesavers. Uh, the quote-unquote garage was actually, um, like, a whole separate building that was, like, this massive workshop area that had, like, a woodworking area and a tool shed and all this crazy stuff. It was a huge building. And um, we were scheduled to shoot part of the garage stuff, and actually, 
because uh, I think we've talked about this before, the closet scene where the uh, door gets chainsawed down was shot in three separate locations. So yeah. uh, the literal physical chainsawing of the door happened in this separate building for safety reasons. The same garage. You <laughs> see Paul messing around with the dolls, and we put the door up in there. Yeah, it was a... We killed the lights and then overhyped the lights. Mm-hmm. And... It was a separate part of the building, but yeah, we, we blacked out the windows, turned off all the lights, and then uh, Brett was actually the one who chainsawed down the door. God damn right. You can watch and... <laughs> that on Instagram. Huh? Not Instagram. <laughs> YouTube. You, YouTube. <laughs> YouTube. That, uh, no, not the dolls, the clip of me chainsawing down the door. Oh, I think that's on Facebook. Oh, whatever. It, and, it's uh, somewhere. <laughs> I think that clip is on our... This was not a seamless plug. It was <laughs> no. much better with the stamps.com thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I shared that video. Brett posted it on his personal Facebook, but I'm pretty sure I shared that on uh, Facebook.com slash uh, Nightmare Box Productions. Box. That's right. You're learning, though. I'm so proud of you. I know. Let's clap for Brett. Now, maybe he'll get around to his multiplication tables at the age of fucking 28. You see how easy it is for me to feel good about myself? Constantly just dragging yourself down. My therapist was like, you should practice positive thinking. And I was like, good. What's that? I would have absolutely no motivation if I felt good about anything. (laughs) I feel like you don't even know what that is at all. Mom, you did a good job. Why are you laughing at my mother? (laughs) (laughs) Laughing at you. But anyway. Grabbing another beer. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so we were uh, supposed to shoot the, like, some various scenes that happened in the garage as well as, uh, I think we were scheduled to shoot the chainsaw scene that day as Brett tries to kill our kitchen. Um... And, like, a bunch of stuff went wrong, and we didn't have access to the building that we needed to have access to, so uh, we kind of waited around and tried to see if it would work itself out, and it didn't, so I sent all of our actors home. And (laughs) within, um, I think Brett and I were literally the only two people left, and we sent everybody home, um, and we still had to pack up some stuff, so we hadn't quite left yet, and within 30 minutes of sending everybody home... We now had access to the building that we needed to have access to. So let's unpack the shit. So, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We were like, how can we make the best of this situation that we didn't expect to happen? So we um, then unpacked everything, loaded up the garage and um, or the workshop or whatever and figured out how to like on the fly go ahead and shoot the chainsaw (laughs) scene. Because I was like, well, if we're here, we might as well get something done. So, uh... It turned out really well. Uh, I, th- I think I can safely speak for both of us that we were both a little nervous. <laughs> but... that, that story has levels because I remember telling you I wanted to do that scene and you looking at me like I was a fucking crazy person. <laughs> you were like, there's no way. And then we had to approach a professor mm-hmm. and then they that threatened Dean action. We had like a mini fight with another student in the class. <laughs> I wasn't over that. It was like a whole free though. speech movement inside of a college course. <laughs> you can't do that. That's not safe. You can't rape a child. I was like, well, we didn't show anything. It's heavily implied. We didn't show that, though. <laughs> we didn't literally. The Nightmare Box does not endorse rape. <laughs> the implication would have been... I'm going to have to hire a PR person because of you. <laughs> no, I don't believe in it. 
No. This is who I am. I'm not going to try to pretend to be who I'm not. Just for the record. I'm not going to shame Gillis myself in the foot by trying to go for SNL. I know who I am. <laughs> but yeah, we did have to fight. The implication that. in the original draft that did get cut was that he was masturbating at the beginning of the movie. He would have raped a child at the end of the movie. Then the therapy thing would have happened. The rape was not on scene. The masturbation was on scene. Well, and we, we came. We, we said we'll rewrite the introduction if we're allowed to chainsaw down the door because we're boss ass bitches, as they say on Instagram, where you can find us at. <laughs> Nightmare Box Productions. Um, well, we weren't going to show any genitalia. We were just going to... It was going to be very You're gonna clearly obvious. You're going to hear his belt yeah. clinking, which was a very specific detail in that first draft. Um, oh, yeah. No, like, I, like I, I will say I'll be the first person to admit I didn't think we were going to be able to... Chainsaw down the door, period, just because I had never done a stunt at that yeah. level. And well, the second one that I hit you with is Is there any way we can talk to the cops so that we can legally explode a car? Yeah. And we haven't figured that one out yet, but we will. Brett's trying to make my life harder than it has to be. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to get permission now that I've explained that I'm trying to get stamps.com on board. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> God. Ugh. I'm off the rails. I'm drinking dragon's breath. Oh, we haven't even fully gotten through the first What's topic What's work yet. all day? I haven't spoken <laughs> to anybody today. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll be the first person to admit, like, I, I, I thought that was too big of a task to yeah. do. And then... Or move. What? No, I wasn't against the move. I just wanted Seems stricter plans. Yeah. I, wa- I wanted dates <laughs> with... Trucks rented and shit done. <laughs> We're supposed to be going to a wedding next week. Laura called me today and was like, hey, are we doing that? And I was like, oh, oh yeah, my brother's getting married. I should probably be there for that. <laughs> yeah, might be a good idea. <laughs> That's why I need you. Yeah, I know, because I had to ask her for the, like, the address and everything. Because I was like, I don't think Brett's going to know. <laughs> like, I mean, what time? Like, where? <laughs> flat out where he's supposed to be. Is Brett in the wedding party? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> ask her for the time and the place today because I was like Brett's not going to tell me like that's not going to happen he's not going to know when's the wedding it's sometime this weekend Saturday (laughs) Sunday I guess I'm getting a holiday in hotel it'll be the day of and you'll be like so where are we going (laughs) I'm not stupid I'm just distracted most of the time no well it's drunk it's not remote stupid period you're just a doer or i'm a planner we have different personality types yeah which is why the door got chainsawed on the fly yeah but um did you ever have like any issues with that like why you chainsawing down a door i had a moment of hesitation (sighs) a moment of hesitation where none of us knew what was gonna happen when i put the chainsaw in I didn't know how hard the door was. No, okay, I didn't wait. know if it was going to bounce back and hit me in the face. If I was about to get splintered to shit Let's with clarify oak. that. I, I had no fucking clue. Let's clarify that. We did have safety goggles on, to be fair. Yeah, Josh and I, Josh, love you, buddy. You can hear Josh on the episode where we found out together that Mark was dead. Oh. <laughs> episode 36? 
I have no idea. I have to go it's, back. It's uh, first time, long time is what it's called. Yeah. I do know that, but uh, yeah. Hilarious joke title, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> or long time, first time. It's one of these. We're having like a hyper positive conversation. It's like we've got a caller. <laughs> Josh Brown. I'll call you at a better, better time. <laughs> Nobody went and got drunk and went and made supportive friends. <laughs> but anyway, um, so we did have safety goggles on and Brett did have gloves on, but we bought a cheap door because this was a college budget. And yeah, I, I we were knew, using a pawn shop chainsaw. <laughs> well, I, I knew, I'm assuming you probably knew too. I knew the inside of the door was hollow. Yeah. Like I knew it was not a solid door because cheap doors are not solid on the inside. Yeah. The, the doors. These are, if you got a son named Kyle, you buy these doors every weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah, the doors you can buy at a college budget price are very thin, cheap wood, and the inside is completely hollow. So I was like, he's going to stick the chainsaw through the door, and either the whole thing's going to splinter, or he's going to pull it back and a chunk's going to come back with him. Yeah. And thankfully, that's not what happened. But yeah, I was nervous. <laughs> I was like, if oh. I would have gone like aggressive and then just yanked it back and chainsawed my face open, you know what the best part of that would have been? It would have also been on film because Caleb was recording the whole situation. You're going to put that up on Faces of Death, publish the video as is, just rewrote the ending, die. Paul dies. And Brett gets a Darwin chainsawed Award. to the face. <laughs> <laughs> but did you ever um, not chainsaws uh did you ever have like any experiences like that while you were working on any of your like your book that you published or the book that you're working on now or whatever where shit just went downhill and you had to adjust like on the one i'm working on now either or like the one you're working on now or the one that's currently published yeah well like that was the big breakdown day was when i was convinced um that I couldn't write anymore, that that was never going to come back. Um, I'm not all the way convinced that I wasn't wrong, just to make myself feel good about myself there. (laughs) But um, I had a a really big issue trying to figure out where I was going to start this uh, book from that I'm going to been working on in like one sentence increments where like I know what I'm trying to do I can feel it in my head I know how it plays out but I'm having a really hard time executing it I mean I've got chapters written down where I'm like okay well this is the story we tell here this is the story we tell there but like then I sit down and for one of the first times in my life I can't execute I've always been able to do that since I was a kid. Brett, write me a story. I can sit down. If I can come up with one good sentence, I can write you a whole story. I just need that one compelling first thought. And I reached this point where I I, 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 I couldn't do it. Like <laughs> I'd sit down. I'd stare at the paper. Um, you were editing one of our shows probably the 50th episode cheer us um you were editing that and i was typing across from you and i came up with like 800 words in an hour which not bad for like sit down come back i used to do 2000 a day 800 in an hour that's a damn good start 
uh, dear listener, if you're judging me, try to come up with 250 in an hour. Well, too, I, dare I feel you. like... If you went to college, you ever got stuck after the first paragraph, you can suck my dick. <laughs> too, I feel like there's a but, bit of a change in dynamic because you don't have your office set up anymore, and I was literally sitting across from you. That so might I was like, that's a little distracting, it. I feel yeah, like, because I was like clicking away, and you were like over there like trying to write. That might be an issue, but it, it's... That's not the problem. I, I know when I'm distracted and when I'm actually trying. Like, I wasn't looking at you or trying to talk to you or searching websites or walking around. I was there at the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to come up with, I came up with 800 some odd words, but it was all different, like, chapters in my Scrivener or Scrivener or whatever you call that program. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of them felt right. Like they all felt wonky or dramatic. Like they didn't, they weren't working. Um, and it was really frustrating me because everything that's been going on. But the other day, um, after, um, I knew we were going to be all right and we weren't going to like, die a million deaths on a mountain in Montana. (laughs) I woke up and I was in a much better mood yesterday and I wrote what I think is probably going to wind up being the thought that springs the first chapter. Like now I know where it starts. I know where to gauge the individual stories because I'm doing like this memoir flash fiction um, attempt at the period where I was watching my dad die and then I had my nervous breakdown and then I met you and we came up here but it all centers around my 93 Wrangler (laughs) Which also came up here. Which is also... The old girl's still kicking. Yeah. Um, But I didn't know where to start it. I found out the other day where to start it after a couple of cups of coffee first thing in the morning, the day after we didn't have to worry about it anymore because the money was in the accounts it needed to be in and I knew we were going to be fine. And um, I stood in the parking lot with my little moleskin notebook and wrote about a paragraph so no I I, as a writer I feel that quite a bit Mm -hmm. um the fear that it's not gonna work out you can plug your ears if you don't want to be complimented um I, I pulled my headphones out. I, I heard you, you more clearly. I was like, "Shit, she's still in the room." <laughs> I can literally and I know we have an episode on imposter syndrome, so maybe that's just part of my problem too. But um, I've always felt weirdly, I guess, self-conscious about myself. Period. But especially like um, when you and I are working on stuff, and there's kind of that um, give and take between the two of us. Yeah. I guess um, I'm not discounting filmmakers by any means. It's a you know, the, the greats that are out there are incredible. Um, it is for sure an artistic craft that a lot of thought and heart goes into, but, um, 
I feel like, especially considering I am not a writer and I don't write the things that I film, like, a lot of my end is almost like... Super sexy. <laughs> That's a butt joke. <laughs> Just gotta <Well>. laugh. <laughs> uh, no, I feel like a lot of, from my side, you know, is um, almost like a mathematician. Like, I understand the concept of color theory and angles and light and all this stuff like that so for me it's just xyz i plug this in i plug this in i get this result and if i understand you know each specific uh aspect well enough then i i can't realistically do poorly you know like i i understand the concept i know how to execute it it will turn out fine and uh, with writers or, you know, painters, drawers, you know, anyone who has a blank canvas that they then have to fill, um, it almost feels like I'm not technically a part of the artistic community, I guess, because it's like I have an existing canvas. That well, I'm... you have a blank slate. But I, but I have an existing canvas that I'm then building up from. So for me... Um, that is interesting. <laughs> I've always really admired, like, you know, anything that you've done or, you know, people who do work like that period because you have nothing when you start out. You're staring at a blank piece of paper. And you, and you see have me to... do it at 2 a.m. You see me do it at 9 a.m. You see me write on my pants. <laughs> trying to talk to me. Like, <laughs> Trying to go to bed, and you're like, where's my moleskin? Yeah. Last night. <laughs> you need anything? Another beer? And I'm like, where's my notebook? I need, I, <laughs> I need my Grab me that, a pen, a beer, my pipe. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, like, I know I, we don't talk about that a lot because, you know, like to be complimented. But, like, I, I have a lot of admiration for artists who have to start from a blank canvas because it feels like a much more monumental task to try to come up with the start point. Cause for me, it's like, um, like with chains lying down the door, for example, I might have a problem that I then have to solve and it's like, okay, how do I figure this out? But there is a start point already there for me. And it's, and there are people there that want to see the next thing. Like they want to see the finished product. Mm-hmm. It's a group activity. It is very much. The thing with writing is once the writer is upset with it, the writer has to overcome being upset with it. You don't have a crew of 30 to 50 people that are expecting it to get finished. Yeah. When I tell most people in my life, not my close friends and family, but you know, people that I've run into, you know, the gas station attendant or co-worker, person you know what do you do i'm a writer um they don't encourage you they don't go well are you stuck let me help you through your stuck you know if you're the director and you're screwed up you go to your director of photography and be like hey how do we fix this and they help you fix that yeah you're you're sorted Um, you've got a support structure built into it Mm mm-hmm so it's different and a lot that's interesting yeah no I mean and, and I, th- I feel like that's a I'm part of thought of it like that before in my <laughs> head what you do is so monumental because I can only come up with it like I can't bring it to a reality state I, I don't understand everything that goes into creating something and then making it happen I just get the 
there's this weird little me that lives in the back <laughs> of my head. He's, uh, you know, uh, Stephen King uh, says some people call it a muse, but for him, it's a fat guy smoking a cigar who comes mm-hmm. out when he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that part. And of that. I think mine is drunk, and sometimes he wanders into the bar that is my brain. <laughs> <laughs> And he goes, hey, write about your watch, dumbass. <laughs> but I do, for the record, I, I have a lot of respect for artists that have, like, you have to start from a blank canvas. So, yeah. um, I, I, I personally, uh, you know, everyone may not agree with me. I, I personally feel like that's a much more difficult task because um, I don't have that ability if somebody's like, okay, there's nothing to start from, go. To sit down and be like, all right, I got this. I'm like, well, fuck, what do I do? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I I feel like a cheater sometimes in the artistic community because I'm like, oh, well, I've got a guideline. <laughs> I admire what you do at a, a definite level. Now that we're done having this nice off, do you want to move into talking about what you've been reading lately? TV show. The, the Manhunter yeah. Unabomber uh, series, yeah. A lot of, I think we mentioned that on our last episode, a lot of big name, heavy hitting actors, and um, very beautifully done. Yeah. And uh, I've never felt so bad for a bad guy. No, it's one of the things that, uh, it was funny because I sent you a message today and I said, we need to talk about this. And then you hit me back up and we're like, I just wrote that down about 10 <laughs> minutes ago. And um, it was the idea of the villain in literature and in, I I, I don't know if we can dive into this, Uh, (laughs) literature and in film. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you gave me too much mush. Can I go smoke a cigarette? Sure. Yeah, we can take a break. We'll be back in a minute, guys. I need a refill anyway. All right, cool. And we Sorry about that, team. Got a little too in my head and uh, needed to go breathe out a panic attack on the <laughs> icy patio furniture. See, this is a recurring problem for the two of us. Like... Panic attacks? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Um... Every time I have the show notes, the show doesn't go well because you seem to do better when you have notes. And for whatever reason, when I have notes, I want to have feelings. Yeah. no. And I'm, when I don't have notes, I'm like, I can flow with the conversation. No, I, I should be able to flow with feelings. That's my problem. Is <laughs> no. I, I felt way too vulnerable and way too claustrophobic and my head started spinning and I was like, nope. <laughs> so I'm sorry wherever the conversation dropped off back then. Um We'll uh, make an attempt, I guess, to pick it back up. I'm already a little buzzy, though. Uh, we're going to attempt to I'm drinking these goddamn Montana beers. I, I feel I feel good now. Also, I Googled, I think that's part of our problem, too. I Googled the elevation last night. Cause, uh, <laughs> no, I had Googled it before. We walked upstairs, and we both felt like we'd ran so a goddamn... I smoke cigarettes, so I'm constantly <laughs> out of breath. Okay, Kristen does not smoke cigarettes. I don't. I was like, I can't. 
I'm so tired. There are too many stairs. Okay, so I Googled this um, a couple weeks back, I guess, when I first got here, maybe, because I was kind of curious. And I was telling Brad, I was like, yeah, I think, like, Murfreesboro was, like, 100 feet or something, and Missoula <laughs> was, like, 1,000 feet or something. I, I rechecked it last night. So Murfreesboro <laughs> is, like, 600 feet. Missoula is over 3,000 feet. And then, just for the record, because we've talked about climbing Mount M, Mount Sentinel is 5,000-something feet. So, when we get around to that, we're going to be real out of breath. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be up there like, who the fuck created this level of elevation? These motherfuckers ain't out here eating no fried chicken, walking these goddamn hills all day. That was the cutest argument we ever got into. It was last night where you, you were like feeling self-conscious about, about your southern accent. accent. People keep asking me where I'm from and it makes me sad. Oh, you don't have like an aggressive southern accent. Like you've got like a cute southern accent. I've noticed when I'm editing these podcasts though, every time I try to say the word horror, it sounds like I'm just saying horror. I thought that, but I also thought that was just my thought. I'm happy you picked up on it. I was like, she calls out whores a lot. No, because like <laughs> the Kim Kardashian, that whore. Episode fifty that went live today. Um, yeah, I said it a couple of times. I was like, why does it sound like every time I'm saying it, I'm just saying whore? <laughs> like how do you, how do you say it? Horror. 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 There you go. <laughs> I'm not... Horror. There's an R. There's an O-R situation, not an E-R situation. Horror. Yeah. Make an O with your mouth. This old lady at the, at the grocery store last night asked me where I was from. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody at the grocery store is super pumped, but... They're all like, hey, is there anything Except for that one guy. Yeah. That guy was a dick. He's got in a fight in the wine section. <laughs> oh, and the guy. Oh, that guy. I yeah, thought, the one at the checkout. Yeah, the, I thought you were talking about the guy's five stores after that that I almost fought for standing too close to me in the wine section. I wasn't in there for that. You yeah, I know. So, can I help you, bro? Like, are you looking at the same fucking wine bottle? Okay. No, the douchebag at the checkout who thinks Brett dates minors, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, she's older than I am. And he's like, she doesn't have an ID. You guys don't get to buy drinks. And I was like, oh, if I came back, like if you turned around and she left and I bought the drinks, like, could I just do that? <laughs> could I walk back around the store? And he was like, Nazi at a goddamn Walmart. Wouldn't even let you. Yeah, no. Okay, anyway, characters. Fuck that guy. We should send him. He, yeah, no, he's a good villain. <laughs> he's a good villain. He's got a whole bunch of... Um, like other shit that's probably wrong in his life, right? Like he's overweight and he's got a bunch of pimples on he his head. He works at Walmart. He works at... No, that I don't, I, I don't talk down to Walmart people. We're from the South. We grew up amongst the Walmart people. But, okay, but there <laughs> though, I worked at Walmart because I have worked at Walmart before. I worked at Walmart in my early 20s. That dude's probably our age working at Walmart. So he's a little bitter about something. I'm not saying there's anything yeah. wrong with it. You've got to make a living somehow. But if you're 50, he's not 50, but if you're 50 or you own Walmart, you're, you either really love the company or you're a little better. Yeah. There's, there's no in between. No, but <laughs> vice versa, the same Walmart, um, there is a hilarious old lady who works there. And when I asked her how I was supposed to buy ice, she said, with money. And I... <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, no, that is the and exception. And then she walked me through step by step, but... 
I'll I, give you that yeah. is the exception. Little old people can work wherever the fuck they want to work. <laughs> you're a little old person. You're just doing you. I don't you know why you're wherever. taking our advice, but <laughs> get off my show, bro. <laughs> or bra. <laughs> All right, let's get back on the rails. I'm I'm sorry that I. No, bro is a segue because they kept saying it in the TV show. Do what? I said bro is a segue though because they kept saying it in the TV show because that was the the chicky Puerto did dirty. Rican yeah the yeah the, the chicky did dirty called people bro yeah. or bra or something. So we watched uh, Manhunter. Uh, is it Manhunter Unabomber? I think so. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be a series, but it looks, and I don't know for sure, looks like the writers got bought for Mindhunter and then they just adapted because it has the same like kind of shots and the same kind of development inside the story. Um, but I'd have to look into it. But it's a series about the Unabomber, and then you and I went to this bookstore, and I wound up buying the Unabomber's manifesto. It's what a it random was, find because it was tucked away oh, in like I, such a that's random. Why section. I love small bookstores? They're my fucking. She was like, "Where did you find this?" I might go back there tomorrow. I don't even want to buy a book, but I just want to like, go there every weekend and be like, "Hey," and like learn her name and like bring her a birthday cake and just be like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> it you was know. a nice little store. We go should go over back. for poetry readings and such. Um, but I found this, I, if I lean back, I'll lose my headphones. <laughs> um, now oh, I got it. <coughs> I found this book. I, I found this book while we were over there the other day. It's called Technological Slavery, the Collective Writings of Theodore J. Kaczynski, a.k.a. the Unabomber, with an introduction by Dr. David Scribina. Can I see it? Yeah. Okay, so when you handed me this, like, it's pieces to a bomb. Like, if you actually take a yeah, minute. Yeah, it's a pipe bomb. Yeah, if you take a minute to study the picture, it's clearly pieces to a bomb. I thought this was like a microphone, though, and I saw a technolo- technological, like, as the first word. And I thought this was like a book on film, and I was like, why are you, why are you buying <laughs> why a book is that about in audio? The, no, it was in the political yeah. activist <laughs> section. <laughs> It was like right there next to like all the other political activist books, like why women deserve to vote and like fucking why That's black true, people deserve to vote. And then at the, it wasn't even like tucked away. It was on a display at the very top of the bookshelf. Here is the fucking Unabomber's manifesto and everything else he ever wrote was, with an introduction by the dude from the prison. I was so confused when you handed it to me, though, because you were so excited. You're like, oh, look, look, look what I found. And I was like, a book about yeah. audio? We didn't have an extra $20. I spent a $20 we did not have yet on a book <laughs> written by the Unabomber. If you're curious what my mental state is like. Mm-hmm. But, oh, shit. but no, I've also... Empty. Yeah, I've also read Mein Kampf, and uh, Hitler had a good idea. He just shouldn't have killed all those Jews and uh, faded all That's those. dodgy ground. Um, <laughs> but the point of this conversation... The, the dodgy ground that he, he should have killed all uh, those Jews? What no. You know? <laughs> uh, the point of this conversation was... Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, we were watching... I'm buzzed, Sorry. I think um, at this point it's just a drinking show. It <laughs> yeah. started off semi-serious and I had, then I got hyper uncomfortable and now I'm a little drunk. I had toast for breakfast and nothing else. And that was 
Brett gets up at You had all day six. off. I forgot. Get back on top. You're rubbing off. You're on driving me. the boat drunk. You're rubbing off. <laughs> <laughs> You're rubbing off on me. So Brett gets up at like six twenty in the morning for work. Six. Six twenty just two alarms. We set two alarms. We set two alarms. Yeah. So six twenty second the, alarm. The real alarm is six twenty. I'm a, I'm up at six. I go pee. I might pass out for five more minutes. And then I'm, I'm up at six twenty. He's, he's out the door very shortly after seven. seven. Yeah. <laughs> so I had my coffee and my toast super early this morning, and then pulled a brett and forgot that I didn't have lunch. <laughs> so I'm a little buzzed. But anyway, no. Um, we were watching the Unabomber show, and um, Paul Bettany, who uh. I feel like personally is a very underrated actor. Um, he's he's done significantly more popular things, but for some reason, every time I think of him, the role that always comes back to me is um, in a Knight's Tale, the yeah. Heath Ledger movie. He played Chaucer, and I don't know why I I loved because there's when you first meet his character, he's walking down the road naked, completely bare ass naked just trudging down the road and Heath Ledger's like the fuck are you doing you know you're like walking down the road naked and um Chaucer has a gambling problem in this movie and A Night's Tale is not terribly it's not a bad movie but it's uh it's like that uh fuck Romeo and Juliet movie where they had the guns instead of the swords it's a little embellished so it's like a quintessential girl in her middle school years yeah. movie yeah. it's, it's a, a kind of a silly embellished film so the film itself i'm not like oh that's a fantastic movie but for whatever reason paul bettany in particular in that movie has always stuck out to me like this ridiculous version of chaucer who's trudging down the road bare ass naked because he yeah. has a gambling problem and um you know whatever like has always stood out to me and Paul Bettany in this movie was almost unrecognizable. Like, I assumed, because they show Paul Bettany's name in the credits, and we were a couple of episodes in, and he hadn't showed up yet, and I was like, Paul Bettany is not a side character in this movie. Paul Bettany is going to end up being the Unabomber, and then he showed up, and I was like, holy fuck, I wouldn't have recognized him. He's, like, very emaciated, and... He's got his beard. Yeah, and it just looks so downtrodden, and there's only one episode and it normally bothers me when shows do this where you get an intimate look at his character that was probably the best episode yeah. of the entire fucking series it honestly was like yeah. look deeper into it um last podcast on the left has a brilliant hilarious series but honestly as i read the manifesto after watching that show i have a love for academic papers and a sympathy for all different kinds of people that most people would rather see executed. Mm-hmm. I had a debate with you last night about why <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer is the most sympathetic serial killer <laughs> and Timothy McVeigh should have been a political prisoner. <laughs> but, no, definitely. Go check out the last podcast on the left series of the I feel like Ted we'll Kaczynski. have to revisit that one because I... Yeah. I I haven't listened to it, like, start to finish. I don't think. Every time we've played any of those episodes, it's almost always been interrupted. Yeah, interrupted by us going to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like, I I normally don't super care for that whenever a TV show, because we were talking about perspective shifts recently, um, when a TV show randomly just 
switches off to one character just for one episode and then carries on because um, we get a lot of the perspective from the linguistic specialist. Yeah. Um, and then you get this one random episode that's specifically just from Paul Bettany's perspective or from the Unabomber's perspective. And Cut. definitely the best episode of the whole series. And like it was even heartbreaking. The final episode when they go to trial and all the victims are standing up there, you know, telling their stories and essentially being like, you know, I, I hope you rot in prison. Like I didn't really sympathize with the victims after that like hmm. episode of the Unabomber because I was like he's such a tragically portrayed character in the show yeah. which granted you have probably done more research into the real life case than I, I have. Th- that's one of the few cases that I've not done a deep dive in. Um, I've never read a book about the Unabomber. I've it's watched a lot of documentaries and now I'm reading his you know academic paper um, but I'll have to read a book about his crimes to put him completely in perspective mm-hmm. and about his life. That book's not about his life or his crimes. It's just his theory about technological slavery, um, which weirdly I agree with. So I think him and I would have got along great right up <laughs> into the point where it came he down to actually things. killing people. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, and that's not excusable. I'm not I think saying. me and McVeigh would have got along great right up into the point where he was like, so I bought this truck the other day and a bunch of bombs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not by any means making light yeah. of that or excusing that, but I, I do think that show and even um Mindhunter, which we haven't started the yeah. latest season of, is a good Make example. Make Ed Kemper a very sympathetic character. And then they remind way, you that he cut yeah. his mother's head off and threw darts at her face all night. Like to me it's more I think the Unabomber um series made him significantly more sympathetic than anything I've watched in a long yeah. time. But I think a lot of these shows in general remind you how complex people are, period. They have to be. Like I I have had crossroads in my life where I could have completely derailed and gone the other direction. And I've had crossroads in my life where I didn't always make the right choices. You found one road that led you to Montana. I did. And there's a whole other Kristen that could have been hanging out right now in McMinnville. McMinnville. Or uh, Atlanta, or any other number yeah, of places. Yeah, because that was my original plan. I was originally going to go to Atlanta. So yeah, uh, two roads diverged. At least you didn't send anybody a mail bomb. Continue, <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, I, like, I, I think that's the best example of any form of the arts, whether it's a book you're reading, or a, a film you're watching, or a TV show, or whatever. Because we aren't... Most of us aren't, anyway. I can't speak for everybody, because I've met some fairly shallow people. Most of us aren't shallow. Like, there, there's a great deal of depth to everyday human life. And, you know, I, I've had moments in my life that were very difficult moments to overcome, and so yeah. have you, and um, so have most people in life. And So have all the people that you've loved and hated, they've all overcome things and seen the world in a different perspective. Yeah, and I... Like, it is a reminder when you watch a show like this, and it's, you know... Um, probably sensationalized. I'm not gonna, you know discount that that 
people who make these type of shows or write these type of books or whatever are trying to make money off of them. So to an extent, it is sensationalized. Dramatized. Yeah, dramatized. Um, But at the core, this really awful, like you were saying, or you were teasing earlier, like Ted went to college and this really horrible thing happened to him. And how would I have reacted? How would you have reacted? Well, he went like, to college at the age of 16, and then he was a part of the MK Ultra acid tests at Harvard Law, which you can go read all about. But they broke that man before he could buy a beer in a bar. And then he wound up alone in the woods blowing people up so like at a certain point right we can look at that we can say it's horrible and it is horrible both the things that happened to him and what he did to his victims i'm not gonna stand up and you know advocate that we let ted kaczynski out of jail (laughs) can't do that however in writing and in filmmaking, um, it's an interesting thought experiment to acknowledge that a lot of what Ted said made sense. His delivery, no pun intended, <laughs> was a little off. Uh, you don't need to blow somebody up, but I am 60 pages into the manifesto and I was talking to you about it today, and you've not read it. I'm trying to explain it to you. You've found points and counterpoints that you Mm -hmm. agree with and disagree with, as do I. But everything that he wanted to say with a bomb is in that book. Yeah. And the book is... Not just the manifesto. It's a couple other things. Yeah, but I'm I'm assuming it's mostly from... Ted's perspective, obviously there was an editor. It's written by him. Yeah, (laughs) obviously there was an editor involved and stuff like that, but this is solely um, from Ted's point of view. So um, I guess it's technically a little more quote-unquote biased because you're only seeing his side, but it is incredibly fascinating, in my opinion, to see the, like I said, the complexity of the human nature. Like, I haven't read the book, so I can't really speak to that, but, like, the TV show we watched, like... The language specialist um, even had really almost unforgiving moments. There were a lot of times where I was like, that was really shitty of him. And then, like, Ted also had these moments where he's doing these horrible things. He's hurting these innocent people, but then at the same time, like, incredibly sympathetic. And I was like, I like these moments where I was like, I just want to hug him. Yeah. And then... Well, that's what that episode did, was, like, we have to keep in mind, right? Like, his crimes existed before we were born. He was arrested while we were toddlers. (laughs) Like, I remember the Unabomber getting arrested, um, but I was, like, five or six years old when it happened. So I remember the mugshot being on the television, but it's like hyper early memory. Um, 
what that show does a brilliant note of is bringing sympathy to the villain and then explaining the villain's motive, mm. which you don't get very often. It, it, it's not done often enough. You find it a lot um, right off the top of my head as my beer slowly leaks into my brain here. <laughs> um, is maybe the greatest villain of uh, our generation, which is Heath Ledger, again, bringing him up as the Joker. Mm-hmm. In the, is it the Dark Knight? He was in more than one, but yeah, I think that was No, the... he was just the Joker in the Dark Knight, and then he died. Wasn't he in two of them? I thought he was in two, and then they killed the Joker off, and or they no, they introduced the Joker, the Joker in the second movie. The first one's the one with the Scarecrow. Huh. All right, it's been a while since I've yeah. watched them, so I'll take your word so for you it. So you got Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, and Dark Knight Rises is the one with Bane, but the one that has the Joker, the the big Heath Ledger performance. You understand the Joker's motivation, mm-hmm. his perspective. It, it it's not hidden. It's not radical. Um, another great example would be Hans from the Die Hard movie. Because <laughs> Hans I love, Gruber, I love that movie. You know exactly why Hans is there. Hans has his own motivation. He sees no other end game. But you can wind up with very flat bad guys well before we get into that though i think that's part of what makes a lot of um i don't i've only read your book that's published to be fair like i haven't read any of your work that you're still working on because you do keep that stuff kind of close to the the chest but um i don't feel like it's it's been a minute since i've picked it up but i don't feel like in your Published book, The Madman Diaries. By the way, go look that up. You can buy that at uh, the Nightmare Box Top Blog, or you can also find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, I believe. Yeah. Um, or eBay. But if you go eBay. to the website directly, you send you me ten dollars. I'll send it to you. <laughs> you get a personalized signed copy, and they are in limited supply <laughs> right now. But um, I don't feel like in your book. Correct me if I'm wrong. There were really bad guys per se there were definitely people that were they were just people i mean they were all bad people yeah i mean they were complex characters there was that one where the girl is being abused by the guy that she's hooking up with i don't know if she's dating him or not yeah um and that character in particular wasn't necessarily likable but um they're just complex individuals like it didn't feel like there was a villain or a good guy ever. They're just very complex people, and I feel like... My favorite critique was that the book made them feel uncomfortable, but they didn't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like, to your credit, the fact that you are so fascinated by these real-life, real-world, complex characters, like, I mean, yeah, we could break it down just being like, oh, they're serial killers, or they're people who have done these horrific things. There's evil, there's not evil. Yeah. Um, but they're but to like take it to the extent that I think about it, right? Like we had a little bit of a breakdown in our conversation about this yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, where we were like, "Well, he's a bastard for killing all those people, those three people." But our government like blows people up at weddings, and like Timothy McVeigh killed one hundred and sixty-eight people, and there were some kids. 
in that group um, that were in the daycare center, and that's terrible. But that was an army guy with a military target. Like, you almost have to see the world through their lens to kind of cope with it. Richard Ramirez watched his Vietnam veteran uncle kill his wife right in front of him when he was a child. And then he went on to murder and rape a whole bunch of women in the course of the Vietnam veteran teaching him how to do it. How much do you blame Richie? Well, what I was going to say a second ago, though, is I feel like to your, your credit when you're writing about fictional characters that you've created... Yeah. Um, you do spend a lot of time um, researching or listening to podcasts or, you know, whatever, uh, recreationally and also research-wise. While real you're trying to eat or sleep. Or... Yeah, like real-life cases. Because we do listen to the last podcast on the left quite a bit. And um, those are real-life people, real-life cases that they're talking about. And it's very rare that someone is just straight up a bad guy. A lot of these people that do these horrible things had horrible things done to them prior to becoming the people that they ended up being. It was the premise of my psycho paper, the one about Ed Gein and Norman Bates. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like to your credit, because you spend so much time surrounding yourself with these these real cases and these real people and like recognizing the complexity of a real person who you know either goes down the right path or the wrong path when you're writing about a fictional character your characters then in turn have more depth to them versus what we were talking about earlier today like a book you recently read where the character fell a little flat and like I, I feel like that's kind of essential to whether it's a good guy or a bad guy, writing a well-rounded, good, solid character that people can connect with is recognizing the complexity of real life and real people. I think it's easier to do... um, Your protagonist is somebody that you relate with. But the problem with writers is they pour themselves too heavy into their own protagonist. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I spend my life thanking Christ that I'm not the villain. So when I find a villain in my writing, um, I, I feel a need to justify its existence. And the problem with uh, the book you mentioned, which was Robert Cormier's After the First Death, was they give you these very, or he gives you, these um, very vague ideals upon which the quote-unquote bad guys are working gives you very vague ideals upon which the quote-unquote good guys are working. In his defense, it's 1987. It's pre-9-11. I can't hold him up to the same candle. Um... And then right at the point where you're supposed to learn why or why not it doesn't make sense, everybody dies. And you never get that look behind the veil that says, what really led us here? Yeah. And that's where the Unabomber show nailed it. 
was right before the finale. You know Ted's in handcuffs. You've watched all the horrific shit he's done. He's hurt over 20 people. He's killed three people. Do we put him on death row? Pause. Let's go back to Harvard. Let's see how it all came together. 16-year-old Ted. Yeah. So, if you're out there today and you're writing a villain, just because we have to wrap this up and go make dinner, we can maybe revisit this. This is a very interesting uh, discussion. Mm -hmm. I don't want to take away from it. I'm sorry if you guys feel like we've robbed you, but... um, You look at your protagonist and you think you got it all lined up. This person's justified. This is my Luke Skywalker. (laughs) There's no way that's my dad. Even Luke went through tragedy. Yeah. There's no way that's my dad. Keeping with the Star Wars reference, you got Darth Vader. Darth Vader's a bastard and a half, but you didn't find out that was Anakin right up until the end of that little reboot movie and everybody loved Anakin so find the child inside of your bad guy and as uh, Al Pacino once said in a very famous De Palma movie Scarface (laughs) (laughs) say goodnight to the bad guy alright I'm sorry, team. (laughs) I love you. I love you. And I love you guys. We'll talk to you next week.